0: Adventures in time and space told in future tense
1: All radio is dead They're coming to get you, Barbara Look, there comes one of them now Hello and welcome. My name is Kyle. And I'm Brad. And we are the Nosferatu dudes, Risen from the Coffin. Here to bring you another episode where we're going to discuss... Uh, what's, our, what's our topic for today, Brad? What are, we do, what are we talking about today? Well, today we have the Fright Night Once Bitten Comparison. That's right. We're going to talk about uh, two uh, great vampire flicks from the 80s. Um, that just so happened, we realized this when we were watching Once Bitten uh, just a, a few weeks ago, and we, we I made the comment, hey, this is like Comedy Fright Night, <laughs> and hence the episode was born. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, Once Bitten and Fright Night, um, these are two movies, uh, they came out in the same year, which makes it kind of even weirder, that these two movies came out in the same year, and one of them is a classic classic 80s horror movie every almost everybody to a person loves it and the other one's fright night (laughs) what (laughs) well and once bitten is has become a cult classic oh Um, okay depending on if you're a comedy horror fan or if Mm. you're just a jim carrey fan uh it's become a cult classic it did not do well when it first came out, um, no. but now you know if if you find somebody that knows if you if you make a once bitten reference and they get it, like you know they must be cool, <laughs> right? So uh, let's start uh, with the background on Fright Night because Fright Night came okay. out first. Uh, Fright Night re- was released on August second, nineteen eighty five. And it was written and directed by Tom Holland. It was his first film. He was basically just a writer uh, before uh, doing this. He had some theater background, but he was mostly just a screenwriter. Um, so for a first film, wow, did he fucking knock it out of the park or what? Absolutely. Um, but he had written, he had actually written, um, There's. there was like a few horror slash, you know, maybe some sci-fi fantasy stuff in his background but he he was the writer of Class of 1984 um which is like a great drive-in style flick if you that's where like you know the teacher goes nuts and starts killing the students that that preceded the substitute okay if you like the mm. substitute you'll freaking love Class of 1984 and he also wrote Psycho 2 which is like the the, the original is a classic but Psycho 2 is like one of the few number two sequels that people are like said was almost better than the original people love almost they almost people love that movie though um so of course fright night it stars uh chris sarandon as the vampire jerry dandridge the most (laughs) the most normal name of a fucking vampire (laughs) uh william ragsdale as uh the main character charlie brewster he's the young guy living next door uh, Amanda Bierce as uh, his girlfriend, Amy, Amy Peterson. Mar- Marcy Darcy. Marcy Darcy from Married with Children, that's right. Um, Stephen Jeffries as Evil Ed. Now, of course, Stephen Jeffries, he's got a little horror movie cred because he was in uh, 976 Evil and he was in uh, House 2. Of course, Chris Sarandon, everybody knows Chris Sarandon from like The Princess Bride. He did a lot more than The Princess Bride, but... Yep. Unfortunately for our generation, he's really mainly known for Princess Bride and Fright Night. And Fright Night, right. (laughs) Um, And, of course, you've got the incomparable, the legendary Roddy Mm. McDowell as Peter Vincent, Vampire Killer. And, of course, Roddy McDowell has a long list of films dating back to, like, the 50s, the 40s. And... but. Everybody knows him from Planet of the Apes, the Poseidon Adventure, mm-hmm. the Legend of Hell House, and um, a, a, a 90s gem, Shakma, <laughs> about the crazy killer baboon, <laughs> which is on Shudder. I don't remember Shakma. Shakma is I'm on Shudder to... if you want right, to check it out. I'm going to have to check it out. We might have to watch that next week since Joe Bob is on hiatus. We may have to watch Shachma next week. Sounds good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Tom Holland, he was working on uh, the movie Cloak and Dagger. I don't know if anybody remembers Cloak and Dagger. It, it doesn't get a lot of uh, following now. Um, it was a Dabney Coleman film. Um, it's, it was fun. It's a fun movie. But Tom Holland was working on that movie as the, the screenwriter when he came up with the idea for Fright Night um, and basically it just started as, oh, a horror movie fan comes to believe his neighbor's a vampire and he didn't know where to take the story. It took him like a year to like kind of roll it around in his head. And then he thought to himself, well, who would like a teenage kid think to go to about a vampire? And that's when it came to him, like, I would go to Vincent Price. Like that's that's the only person I know I would know is like a teenager who was an expert, quote unquote, in vampires. And then that rolled into the trend of like the um horror movie hosts, because horror movie hosts were still very popular at that time. The only horror movie host we still have now is Joe Bob uh Elvira. She stopped horror hosting a long while ago. And um and so then he thought, okay, well, let's make it like that type of character, like a, a local TV station horror movie host who has also been a big star of a lot of older horror movies. And he'll go to him and, you know, try and get help. And that's where it started. That was the the kernel of the idea. Now, Brad, do you know how Peter Vincent got his name? I No. So it's but you're going to tell me it's Peter Vincent. Yeah. So he's named after Peter Cushing. The the and hammer, Vincent Price and Vincent Peter Price. Cushing and
2: Vincent Price. Oh
1: wow! Right. Oh, that's cool. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and uh, apparently Roddy McDowell he really wanted the part. Like he actually he read the read the script, thought it was super cool. He actually liked the idea in the movie he plays older than what he actually was at the time. Um so he mm-hmm. actually had to have some age makeup on and stuff. And he thought you that can, was gonna gonna be fun. It's not hard to pick out the <laughs> the age makeup. It wasn't hard to pick up. Yeah, he's
2: it's a little, it's a little painted on. <laughs> they, that they, surprises that surprises me that he um he really wanted the part because it's you know, um, fright night is a it's a horror movie it's a straight up horror movie but it doesn't seem like it's a horror movie that takes itself too seriously
1: oh no so
2: no. right so it's got a little bit of a lighter tone to it so i was kind of it's it's very cultish when you when you watch it so I'm,
1: I'm kind of surprised that that was something that he read the part and Oh hey, I want to do this. Well, and he he really liked the fact that the character was kind of a um, a bit of a a ham actor. He was like a working actor that you know just plugged away doing like whatever parts came along for years. You know, he's like a third rate type guy, and um, he had like a whole backstory. Uh, All the characters Tom Holland had all of them uh, actually like theater style write backstories for their characters. So they all had a story in their head coming into the film, and he. they also rehearsed for like two weeks, like rehearsed the whole movie before they filmed it, and so uh, the filming went quick. They were going shot to shot to shot to shot because everybody knew the scenes, And um, but yeah, Rodney McDowell had like a whole backstory in his head, and he got like super into it. Like they said he loved working on this movie, like... He he was always like um he always had a, a video camera. He was always filming behind the scenes. Like nobody's ever really seen those films. He was just doing it for his own, you know, fun. Um but yeah, he he got into it. He he kept having cast members over to his house for dinners. Like it was cool. He loved it. Um Chris Sarandon did not want to do this movie. Chris Chris Sarandon was like <laughs> He, read, uh, he was like, I don't want to do a horror movie. I don't want to get typecast as a villain, like in everything that I do. And, and he, he really wasn't down. But he read the script. They, the, his, uh, his management convinced him to read the script. Actually, no, it was his wife pulled it out of the trash can. I remember that. She pulled it out of the trash can and was like, just read it. And he read it. And when he read it, he was like, oh, this is actually good. He like found, his thing was, uh, he he was quoted as saying, forgetting about vampirism, what this film is about is an older man trying to take a younger man's girl away from him. That was what he found in the story that captured him. He's like, because if you took the vampire stuff out of it, it's still actually kind of a really cool story about the dynamic between these three people. Mm-hmm. So that's what he... He latched onto um, William Ragsdale. He auditioned for the part. He beat out Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Charlie Sheen was up for the role, and he beat wow. out Charlie Sheen for it. Stephen God- Godfrey or Jeffrey, sorry, Stephen Jeffries, uh, who plays the the friend Evil Ed, um, he auditioned for Charlie Brewster, the main character, and they cast him as Evil Ed, the weird friend. And he couldn't understand what they saw in him that they wanted him for that, <laughs> meanwhile, the entire audience I think can can understand right,
2: <laughs> yeah he uh he kind of fits the bill there, yep,
1: yeah, Stephen Jeffries is a bit of an odd guy, yep um so you know, just a few more factoids uh Chris Sarandon, he wanted to do like a very human vampire, he didn't want it to be like there obviously there were going to be supernatural elements, especially as the film goes on. But he wanted to do a very human portrayal of that, like all the emotions, you know, not just a straight up villain, but he wanted. And he also um, was inspired by fruit bats. He found out that the majority of bats in the world are fruit bats. And so that's why he's like always eating fruit through the entire movie. Oh, Roddy McDowell, he actually used the Cowardly Lion as his inspiration for Peter Vincent. That's who he thought of. When I can he see of
2: that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um it was Columbia Pictures lowest budget film that year and so no one from the studio even came to set so Tom Holland thought that was great and, like nobody's bothering me I can do whatever the hell I want um yeah and then oh uh Richard Edland uh was the head of the VFX department because this is a little VFX laden you know there's a lot of special effects in the movie but he was the uh, he was just coming off of Ghostbusters um, and there's lots of crazy stories. If you look into the background of this, there's lots of crazy stories of the special effects work that they did uh, on this because some of it was wild, and some of it they were kind of figuring out as they were going along and made some mistakes mm-hmm. and got some actors hurt. <laughs> so it was a little wild. So, uh, so first off, before we get into the comparison, Brad... What do you, like, what are your takeaways from Fright Night?
2: Oh, well, Fright Night is just a fun um, 80s, very, very 80s-style fun vampire movie. I I don't really look at it much more than that. I don't think it was trying to be much more than that. Um, It
1: was just a fun kind of vampire movie. Um, Yeah, it's super 80s. The soundtrack is like crazy eighties like it like sure you know it's a it's not it's not really like um top 40 laden but it's like just the whole score is that's like synth eighties style
2: Mm. and Uh, again i as i said before it's a movie that doesn't seem to take itself all that seriously um you know it's it's a little goofy it's supposed to be um, a horror movie, it, it, but it does have comedic elements to it. Peter Vincent's character uh, in the movie is is a little goofy, uh, and then obviously the best the best friend that turns into the vampire. Um, he's evil led. Um, he he's a little goofy as well. So, right. Right. Um,
1: and then oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say for anybody that hasn't seen the movie, you know, it's basically like. Uh, kid living next door to an empty house, all of a sudden oh. one night somebody moves in and he sees them bring a coffin in. It's like classic setup. They see him bringing a coffin mm-hmm. in and of course he finds out that the, the neighbor's a, a vampire, but he can't convince anyone else that he is. Um, and and it's it follows, it, it's a great, I thought it was a great modern take on those older Hammer style horror films. Um, like they use that like Tom Holland like used that as the foundation and then built all the modern pieces on top of that yep. um, because when you watch especially when they get into like the ending um, when they're actually like going to like conf- okay we're gonna confront the vampire now like you could put them all in period dress and it would be the same as the ending to like a Christopher Lee movie
2: right right
1: yeah it's great so yeah, it's it's basically like a classic Dracula story. Uh, you know, he sees the picture of of he's got a, a painting in his house that looks just like the girl. Oh, yep. <laughs> you know, he's traveled oceans of time to find her. Sure. <laughs> now my my biggest note, the biggest note that I have about this whole damn movie, is that Chris Sarandon looks like fucking white prince in this movie. He is so fucking smooth. <laughs> okay, yeah. He, he's very smooth. He's very smooth.
2: He's, um, He did a good job of, of really making him um, evil because uh, you think that he's going to come off a lot more charming than he does, and he actually is a lot more blunt and nasty and evil Um, But with a smile, Chris, but with a smile and in and it's just done so perfectly by someone like Chris Sarandon, because he was he was kind of that way uh, in Princess Bride. You know, he there's that edge to him. There's that part to him. That's just, ooh, it's he's so bad. You know, you just you just love it.
1: Yeah. And I I mean, probably the, the scene that always stands out to me in the whole movie I mean there's lots of great things. There's like uh the when Amy finally becomes a vampire and the crazy fucking teeth. <laughs> there's there's so many other things that you can point out. Um, but the scene that always stands out to me is that first confrontation in Charlie's room. Mm. He's been he's been invited in. They make a big deal out right. of you have to invite the vampire in, or the vampire can't hurt you. And Charlie thinks, oh. I'm okay then, you know? And then he finds out his mom invited him in for like a drink, like welcoming him to the neighborhood. So he shows up in his house that night, throws him around the room a little bit. And there he gets, he's got him jacked up against the wall. And it's this great thing because he is so evil, but Chris Sarandon plays it in these layers. And there's that moment where he has Charlie by the throat and he says, I'm going to give you something. I never had. And that's a choice. Forget about me. Forget about me and this will all go away. And Charlie's response to that is to stab him in the fucking hand with a pencil. (laughs) And after that, he's like, fuck you, kid. All bets are off. (laughs) Yeah. Stupid kid. But I love that moment in that scene. I'm going to give you a choice. You know, he doesn't have to. He could kill him, kill Mm -hmm. his mom. Be done with this, but he he's like, just forget about it, and right. we'll go we'll go our separate ways. And I thought that's right. like that for whatever reason that scene always gets me.
2: Yeah, no, it's a it's a brilliant scene. I don't know if you wanted to talk about to the um, the other the the main thing from Fright Night is uh, the special effects, the makeup, and the special effects and the um, the look of the vampire. Oh yeah they're crazy um, let's
1: get let's get into that
2: yeah, so um I don't know if you have anything on the makeup artist um, that that did this
1: well well, I don't have a, a lot of background on Richard Edlin, but um I do know just like a few anecdotes of things that that they did things that happened on set because um, I mean they were they were really pushing they were trying to really push the boundaries of what they could do. Um, Mm. so there were things like, um, the contact lenses. Did you, did you read anything up on the contact lenses? No. So they, they had the, the contact lenses, um, you know, they hand make them for the actors and they wanted them to have, you know, that vampire kind of slightly reflective fluorescent look and everything. So they make them out of this combination of stuff. Like there's like glitter and shit like stuff you should not put in your eyeball and so what they do to make it safer for the actor is they polish and buff the shit out of them and make them real smooth now they're still they were still using the that old style lens that they that was like super heavy and like mm-hmm. hurt just to have it in like it was uncomfortable and um amanda Bierce had to wear them for some of her scenes and they forgot to fucking polish one of them on the inside oh and she put it in and it scratched her fucking cornea and she was she was like out for like two days like waiting for her her cornea to oh heal up. oh yeah she was like she was like in misery oh but what's your what's your favorite special effects shot of the whole movie
2: uh, I think it has to be um, when he gets staked, um, and he kind of starts turning and everything. Um, um, I like the style of the, the the vampire makeup that they use. So when someone when he turns somebody and they turn into a vampire, I like the um, the special effects, the makeup.
1: Okay. It- <laughs> You're just
2: staring at me. You're just like, okay, that's your favorite. That's what you like best. Yes, it's what I like best.
1: Well, the 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 one that stands out to me is um, uh, the the manservant Billy Cole. When he gets killed, they like they yeah. shoot him a bunch of times and they stake him in the chest, and right. Billy Cole fucking melts. Oh yeah, and he like fuck he like and that that's like one of my big questions is what the fuck is Billy Cole? You know, like I, I, the closest thing I can think of is there's like a thing in some of the vampire lore and stuff like for movies and, and novels and things like the, the half turned, they call them where they're like, not quite a full vampire, but they're not alive necessarily. Yeah. They're basically like just a walking corpse that, that doesn't have vampire powers. Now Billy Cole looks like he might be a little extra strong, but um but yeah, so they kill him and he just like fucking melts. And down right. to the skeleton till it's just the bones clattering down the staircase.
2: That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of good special effects in the movie. It's uh they really stand out. Um I just got done watching the 2011 remake of Friday Night. Oh my with, God. Um <laughs> Well, actually, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, it was not that bad. Uh, it was pretty good.
1: Um, well, yeah, that's got Anton Yelchin and Colin Farrell plays the Jerry. Who Bandit did player. a great job as Charlie.
2: Um, Colin Farrell, you know, it, he's Colin Farrell. And <laughs> he, he just sounds like he's trying to cover up, you know, a little bit of his Irish accent. And when he's. Trying to talk American.
1: Well, and he's not Chris Sarandon, uh, so, He just doesn't have. So that. it
2: kind of it kind of comes out, out like this.
1: <laughs> yes, um, cha- yes, char- uh, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, You're gonna invite me in, Charlie. <laughs> but.
1: Uh, but, yeah. but anyway,
2: what I was going to say was yeah. that in the remake, you know, a lot of the, the special effects are obviously CGI. So um, even though the movie was really good, it was a lot darker, it was probably a little scarier um, than the original Fright Night. The original Fright Night definitely has, you know, the advantage of the practical effects and, and makeup and everything.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean that's that we already know that the practical effects are always better. They're always better. That's like what we talked about in the thing, like how can you just take really great practical effects and then just, you know, cover them up? It's one thing and 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 in the case of the thing Who thinks that it looks better? It, studio, Do they think it looks it, it looks more realistic? I think that that's some of what people think. I think you know, there's like this weird thing like studio people, you know, I, I have a feeling they, they envision somehow it's cheaper. But I mean, I've heard of like what some of the pay rates are that go for uh, computer VFX artists. And I mean, you could get a better value and in many cases a better look from paying a guy, you know, a similar amount of money and he's like mixing stuff up in his shop you know i mean it's like you know and it's stuff that you can it it's it's just as reproducible you know they they can make alterations like mo- the really good guys can make alterations right there on set
0: mm-hmm.
1: whereas you know with the the computer vfx sometimes you don't when you're filming on the day. You don't know what you're reacting to. You don't know how it's going to look. And then you know they design it one way. You see the cut of that design. You got to send it back, and it takes the guy, the the computer guy, another week to redo yeah. all that stuff. Whereas you know many of these guys, Rick Baker, Tom Woodruff, uh, Tom Savini, they pull out their their kit and they just. Do it right there. All right. How does that look? Do you like that better? Does right. that look better on camera? Okay, let's right. go with it.
2: And, and they have to be on the cheaper side because some of the uh, lowest budget, you know, movies that that we love, the the practical effects are incredible, and it's just oh, because yeah. the 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 people doing it, the your Tom Savinis and. And Rick Bakers are just, they're just geniuses at that. And they can, you know, take, they're like MacGyver, you know, (laughs) they can take a tuba and a piece of gum and a piece of tinfoil and make a great special effect.
1: Oh yeah. Half of the, half of the greatest blood effects are just a guy blowing blood through a tube that's like, well, that's up through the makeup.
2: That's what um that's how Kevin Bacon's um kill scene went in Friday the thirteenth, the original. Remember yeah. it was the arrow goes through his throat and it's supposed to be the blood is supposed to just kind of leak out, but it 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 wasn't it wasn't coming out, so Tom Savini had to like push it out so he blew through the tube and it ended up spurting out. Oh yeah, and it looks and twice as that good. Gray, it, it looks great, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so so there's an artistry to that 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 I think is is for whatever reason is underappreciated, and you know I've heard that some executives think that it looks cheap, quote unquote, uh, when done that way. But guess what? Sometimes looking cheap, what you think it looks cheap, actually looks real because you know it's in camera. You know that's not uh, somebody sitting at a laptop you know, creating that, that it looks like, oh, I've actually just watched somebody get beheaded, you know?
2: Right, because the CGI, it looks cartoonish.
1: Oh, yeah, many times. So, many times. Yeah.
2: yeah, the practical effect looks better.
1: Yeah, so. absolutely. Uh, so now let's do uh, the be- a little background on Once Bitten. So Once Bitten... Uh, came out the same year, 1985, but it came out in November. So you got Fright Night comes out in the summer. Hot hot summer movie, August 1985. Once Bitten comes out, like, between Halloween and Thanksgiving,
2: <laughs> you
1: know, that same year. But it did open at number one the weekend it came out, but I'm not exactly sure what it was up against uh, when it got number one. Uh, directed by but- Howard Storm... It's his only movie. <laughs> now, apparently Howard Storm did a lot of TV. He was a big TV, he directed episodes of almost all of the big TV shows that were out at that time, but this was his one and only film, feature film. And of course, it stars Jim Carrey as Mark Kendall. Um uh, he's the main he's the young the young teenage guy character in this. Uh, Lauren Hutton plays the vampire, the countess, and Lauren Hutton, like, if you saw pictures of Lauren Hutton, she's not like, she she was a supermodel, but she wasn't the classic supermodel of that time. It was just that she had a certain look, uh, her face and, and, and everything that kind of, uh, grabbed people, and she was, uh, for a long while there, like the, uh, the top Revlon, Revlon cosmetics, she was like the Revlon girl. Like she did all of the Revlon commercials and ads and everything. Um, Lauren Hutton was, was, you know, super hot at that time. Um, the girlfriend in this one is played by Karen Copens. Uh, she plays Robin Pierce, um, she only did 10 films in her career, um, but she did have, she was known for at the time, a recurring role on Dallas. She had, she was on like two seasons of Dallas, which was the biggest show of that era. Um, for the manservant, uh, Sebastian, the manservant, you have Cleavon Little. Now, anybody that is a Mel Brooks fan knows who Cleavon Little is. Um, that's probably his most famous role was in Blazing Saddles. Mm-hmm. As the uh, sheriff come to town, um, how did they get him to do this movie? I I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know if he was just needing a part and he didn't needing a paycheck or what. Um, but he, uh, I mean he he works the role. You know, you can tell he's he's a dedicated working actor because he works that role he... till the wheels fall off. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah he gives it a hundred and ten percent for sure and and he's the standout of the movie um I was just shocked that they were able to he i don't
1: want to say he's way above this movie but he's way above this movie <laughs> well he was a he's actually i mean he's got a long history he's he did a lot of acting work a lot of acting work through the the um the the late sixties the seventies and into the eighties um uh, he he was a Broadway guy. He had done he had done like three Broadway shows um, in his in his history. Um, he was and also he was actually a known uh, actor. He did some of the exploitation movies at the time. He was uh, he he played Low Boy in uh, Cotton Comes to Harlem, which is actually like a very big known um, classic exploitation movie. Um, there's there's people that uh, people who are like. Super into exploitation movies like it. I watched a documentary on it and they were like, Oh, Cotton comes to Harlem. Oh my God. You know, <laughs> like, um, so yeah, so how he, but every, every like little look, every little movement, it's like, it's as if he's thought this thing out way more than maybe he needed to, but he mm-hmm. like has crystallized his character. Um so in this one you have uh in in Fright Night we'll get into the comparison soon but in Fright Night uh you've got uh, the main character plus a girlfriend and a friend uh so like yep. two 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 people he pals the formula. around with yeah and so mm. in Once Bitten he's got two friends two buddies uh Jamie and Russ that uh yep. that Jim Carrey's character pals around with they're played by Thomas Ballator and Skip Lackey and Those guys, I've never, I never noticed them in another movie, Um, but I'll tell you something: uh, they stand out in that film. Like they're actually, they're pretty good comedic actors for for that movie. And of course, we've got a small uh, cameo by Megan Mullally, a a young, a a baby Megan Mullally before she made uh, her fame on Will and Grace. She plays. robin the girlfriend's uh friend suzette and then you've got like the there's the vampire you know coven you know they've got the confederate vampire and the world war 1 ace vampire and yep. um the only major standout from all the vampires is the cabin boy vampire played by stuart charno stuart charno um if you saw him you would know him because he uh he was did a slew of acting work But he's in uh, three really great uh, classic horror movies. Uh, He's Ted in Friday the 13th Part 2. He's the guy who lives because he stayed at the bar to get drunk. Yep. (laughs) He also had a part in Christine. And he was in uh, the movie Sleepwalkers based off the, the Stephen King story. So, yeah, once bitten Jim Carrey, he's just coming off a one-season-canceled sitcom called The Duck Factory. Right. Which is right. about a cartoonist at an animation company, which was filmed with a laugh track. <laughs> I know that because I actually looked it okay. up. You can, you can watch old episodes of The Duck Factory on YouTube. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he almost lost the part to Michael J. Fox. Um, but the executives actually at that time didn't think Michael J. Fox could carry a movie. This was, of course, before Oops. right before he did Back to the Future. Well, when did Back to the Future come out? I didn't look that up. 1985. <laughs> Same year. So, so yeah, apparently they um, they missed out. But I'll tell you something. I think that this movie wins out. Obviously, Michael J. Fox and Back to the Future. Over
2: over Back to the Future? Well,
1: no, I'm saying for the movie. I don't think if you put oh, Michael okay. J. Fox in this movie that this movie would have worked at all. I think this movie works in large part due to Jim Carrey.
2: Do you mean to tell
1: me that I'm a vampire? <laughs> Wait a minute. Sorry, Wait. that's
2: my Michael J. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hold up. Rick, Doc, um, Doc! <laughs> and apparently the the writers wanted uh, they wanted Cassandra Peterson to play the Countess. That's how when they wrote the film, that's who they envisioned. Right. Um,
2: Cassandra Peterson is, of course, is of course
1: Elvira, okay. which would have made it actually. I mean, in one that would way, have been awesome. In one way, yes, that would have been totally awesome. This, but but it, I would say it would take it. Like, way more into just straight-up comedy, I think. If you have, like... Because Elvira's gonna ham wait. it up. It, it's a comedy. It's Take, a comedy. Wait, wait a minute. Take this movie into straight-up comedy? Yes. It's this, Jim Carrey. If, yes, but if you watch it, and you watch the way Lauren Hutton is playing the Countess, okay. she uh-huh. is playing it. She has some funny lines, and there's some funny things... But Lauren Hutton is like playing this, you know, fairly straight faced. You know, she's not kind of hamming it up. She's not mugging for the camera. You know, and I think that uh, if you put two, if you put a Jim Carrey plus Cassandra Peterson, you've got two big hams <laughs> tearing chewing up pieces of that screen. And I think it makes it a different movie. Uh, the I dra- like
2: two fine
1: hams. <laughs> In your pants. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The director Howard Storm he actually had wanted Morgan Fairchild. He wanted Morgan Fairchild to play the.
2: Oh, that would have been terrible.
1: Yeah, yeah. That would have been terrible. Yeah, it would have been very questionable. Um, The movie was originally titled Nightlife, and it was actually supposed to be like a dark comedy. And it was supposed to show a grittier side of Los Angeles. Um, apparently, uh, I, when I read that, I kind of thought like sort of like Lost Boys. Like it's kind of like maybe a Lost Boys vibe. Um, mm-hmm. the studio, though, was looking for less creepy, more comedic. They wanted a teen comedy about vampires, not a vampire flick that just happened to involve teens. And a couple of laughs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah for Jim Carrey his first feature film it'd be five more years uh, after this film until he got the job on In Living Color in 1990 and nine years total before he landed Ace Ventura Pet Detective Um, from what I've heard he almost gave up like after the failure of The Duck Factory and the critical failure of Once Bitten he almost was like I'm done I tried I'm uh, moving back to Canada and maybe I'll still do stand-up, maybe I won't. Mm-hmm. Like, he was ready to just pack it in. But then he got in living color uh, in large part thanks to Damon Waynes. Damon Wayans talked him up to his brother and was like, you gotta yep. get this guy. And then after yep. that, it was whew, straight up. Yeah, that's pretty much all I have on uh, Once Bitten. There's not. If you try to look, look up any background on this movie, any kind of behind-the-scenes, there isn't any. Like, this is a movie that that, uh, in large part, a lot of people just forgot. Like, not a lot of... uh, Not a lot of history. Not us, though. Not us, though. We lived off of this movie. This movie was bread and butter. Um, This also, I will say, this has a great 80s soundtrack as well. This is more like a classic soundtrack where it's a lot of poppy songs as opposed to just uh, a score. Um, But, I mean... The, the, the theme song of the movie, Once Bitten by the group Three Speed, like that gets stuck mm. in your fucking head. Yep. <laughs> you find yourself singing it in the shower. Yep. Um, and I don't want to get a copyright strike, so I won't sing it on here, but check it out. Look up Once Bitten. Go on YouTube or something and look up Once Bitten by Three Speed. uh, i
2: think you have like 10 seconds don't you you'll be sing it for like 10 seconds and you'll be
1: so brad so Mm. let's let's dig in now what what inspired uh the idea of comparing these two movies what 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 was it what 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 inspired what what in your background caused you to do this
2: What inspired this comparison? We were exactly what you said earlier in the in the show. Well, it really um, did. Like, we really were does. watching one spit, and then we were like, oh, my God, this is the comedy version of
1: Fright Night. This is just Fright Night. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's Fright Night with more laughs. There there are differences. But when you look at this movie and you you stack it up, uh, there are more okay, similarities. Okay, well, <clears throat> yeah. 1985
2: came out the same year. Both vampire movies, um, both you know, star a teenager, a teen boy, right, who can't get laid. Yeah, um, horny. despite having a girlfriend, right, um, who is way too good for them, right. Um, so, um, and then gets preoccupied with a vampire an older vampire and gets drawn away from the people that he loves towards the vampire and and that is essentially both movies i just described both movies
1: oh yeah exactly if you if you said what you just said <laughs> right somebody would be <laughs> like okay are you talking about fright night oh, and then okay. another person might be like oh once bitten <laughs>
2: Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And um. And they both, you know, Charlie and um, what's
1: Jim Car? Uh, Jim Carrey's uh, Mark. Jim Carrey's name is Mark. Yeah, Mark Kendall. Mark.
2: Yeah. Um, they're they're just they're they're the same. They're the same character. There's yeah, the pretty- same person. That that mid-level high school kid, right? He's not. He's not really popular. He's not a really, you know, unpopular, he's just kind of one of those guys, right? And right. somehow he again has that girlfriend that's way hotter than than he
1: is. So Right, right, cuz you get you get with um with Charlie Brewster, you can kind of tell what his status is because of Evil Ed. Like the fact that Evil Ed is his best friend.
2: Yeah, and the bo- and both characters hang around with people that are not as cool as they are
1: right <laughs> right and the, so it so right. it it subtly establishes their status like they're right. the lead in this movie and you're supposed to really like them and think that there's something kind of cool and fun about them. Oh but mm. look at their friends and then you kind of know yeah. oh he's not actually that popular <laughs> right 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 <laughs> yeah no. he's he's the coolest guy. In that group of in the group nobody says in, <laughs> right yeah, yeah
2: it's, it's zero plus zero equals zero
1: <laughs> but and of course um, you know both of these they have uh, some of the classic like vampire uh, stuff they there's like the vampirism compared to sex in uh, mm-hmm. in both of them. I mean in yeah. Fright in Fright Night when Amy gets bitten she just about straight up has an orgasm. Right. And then of course uh Lauren Hutton uh it it's basically like it looks like she's going down to give him a blowjob, you know, and mm-hmm. then bites him in the thigh. Right. Um but then they both they both have manservant protectors. Mm-hmm. And um let's see. They both have clueless parents. They're at like the parents in both movies. Absolutely clueless. Absolute morons. 100%. Yep. No fucking idea what's going on. <laughs> They're both, uh, both movies. There's a seduction that happens in a bar. There's.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yep. Amy gets yep.
1: seduced at the nightclub and yep. uh, uh, Mark Kendall gets seduced by Lauren Hutton at the phone a date club. Right, um, both movies. It's a mirror reflection that reveals that vampires are real. Like, Mar- oh wow, yeah, you're right. Yeah, because yeah. because
2: uh, because Peter, yeah, Peter Peter Vincent, um, you know, freaks out because he didn't see um, Chris Rand in, in the in the
1: mirror. Yeah, right? he has a little, he little cigarette. He's the vampire, right? Yeah, and yep. then. And then it's not, it doesn't become real for anybody in Once Bitten until almost towards the end, like like he kind of thinks she's a vampire, but it doesn't really become real until closer to the end of the film. They're at the Halloween dance, the Halloween hop, and his his reflection disappears in the glass in the hallway. And that's when his Mm -hmm. girlfriend is like, oh shit, this is a real thing. Right. Um. Let's see. They both not they... to
2: throw a not to throw a uh, wrench into this whole podcast. But uh, what year did my best friends a vampire come out?
1: Was it nineteen eighty
2: five? It might have been. I don't
1: know. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I mean... think
2: it was in the eighties. About a mid level <laughs> teenage boy
1: who becomes a vampire.
2: Um. um
1: but yeah bo- both girlfriends won't put out, you know right. they and they both express right. the same sentiment. I want to, but i'm a, i'm a I'm a little scared and I want it to be right. it's like the same mm-hmm. sentiment um yeah, I mean it's just the the list goes on. both movies end with the boy girl getting it on finally, yep, both mm-hmm. of them um yeah, yeah, it's nuts. The only differences that that I found. Is that um, Jerry in Fright Night, uh, it it can get kind of lost in the beginning of the movie, but there's all these bodies turning up dead around town. Mm -hmm. And Charlie sees one of the girls go into the house and then she ends up on the news, but they're finding them beheaded. So Jerry specifically in the beginning of that movie is trying not to make more vampires. He's draining them and then they're chopping the heads off. So they don't come back. Whereas yep. the countess has like a nest of vampires that she's collected over the centuries. Um,
2: but you see how you're reaching in order to find the exactly. in
1: the movie. Yeah. here And here's another one. Um, uh in Fright Night, the vampire wants to scare Charlie, whereas in Once Bitten, the Countess wants to seduce him. Seduce him, right. You know? And, I mean, really, that's about it. I mean, even down to uh, Charlie's friend Evil Ed gladly becomes a vampire in Fright Night. A very scary scene, but he takes Char- he takes um, Jerry's hand and willingly becomes a vampire. And in Once Bitten the two friends at the end are like all about having sex with two of the vampire girls. Right. They they don't care. They don't care about the danger. (laughs) I'll I'll become a vampire just to get laid. Sure. Yeah. 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 And this is also, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, sorry. Go ahead.
2: I'm
1: sorry. Um, And one kind of deep cut is both movies uh, prey on 80 spheres of homosexuality. He, and even even yeah. in fright night there it's a, it's more subtle whereas in once bitten it's like super blatant <laughs> mm-hmm. but um but they both contain that that's like an 80s movie thing like let's be afraid of homosexuals um yep. and it, and of course they both have over the top endings that you know are like classic horror films so yeah man so i mean what do you what do you think about this i mean looking at that list of of similarities
2: well it's i don't i don't know how this happened i don't I, i don't know if it's just like you know again we talk about studio movies and stuff like that and how how this all started but um in the same year how you get you know again two movies that are almost exactly the same thing from two different studios. Um, I mean, one is, one is supposed to be a straight up horror movie. Yeah. So, and then the other one is a comedy. Yeah. So it's almost like, um, it, they're not the same movie, but like good fellas in my blue heaven, you know, <laughs> they're,
1: that's a great comparison. Right.
2: Right. <laughs> i mean kind of like the same thing it's 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 the henry hill kind of character um and it's uh just two different ways of you know talking about that character you can go the violent route you can go the the serious route or you can go the light route you know which is my blue heaven so um that that's kind of how i view it um other than that they're just they're they're exactly the same, and again, I do want to look up my best friends of vampire' I kind of thinking that was <laughs> that was right around the same time so yeah uh, yeah. yeah
1: and for me like uh watching this human they they're you know the core story and and so many of the kind of um peripheral things are the same, but I mean when you watch them, they feel very different. It's like, we're looking for these things because, you know, we kind of realized this. But um, Mm -hmm. they feel very different. If you just watched Fright Night on one day, and then, uh, you know, a month later watched Once Bitten, you may not make the connection. It took us 30-some years to make the connection. (laughs) These were almost the same movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know.
1: Um, And it's just because we're, you know, we're dweebs and (laughs) we're into this, you know, that we recognize patterns. Right. It's, it's funny because I, uh, I work with a
2: a guy who um, he watches Joe Bob and he watches all the horror movies that we do and stuff like that. So I can talk to him about all this stuff. And uh, I told him about the, the podcast and I was telling him about the comparison show and, and he just kind of looked up, you know, up at the sky for a couple seconds, and goes, "Oh my god, it's the same movie! It's the same movie! It's like, yeah, it's the same movie!
1: Oh yeah! So well, and even that there's a a dance sequence, like a <laughs> a fairly choreographed dance sequence in both films. <laughs> yeah, only in yep. only in the one. The one is Jerry is seducing. Amy in the nightclub and they have a dance Mm -hmm. and then in um, in Once Bitten it's like a dance off style it's it's a dance off yeah where the two women they're fighting over they're fighting uh, over Mark Um, Uh, but in both dances the girlfriend character goes from girl to woman uh, because you can actually if you watch Fright Night there is a moment where uh she like like he spins her away or she you know breaks away in the dance for a second and they cut to her kind of like whipping around and giving him like a i'm into this seductive look and from when she leaves him to when she turns around all of a sudden she's wearing more makeup her hair is very clearly done up more than it was in just the previous shot. So it's like, Mm -hmm. bang, Amy's a woman now because she's got the hots for Jerry, you know? Mm -hmm. And in the Once Bitten dance-off, Karen Copin's character, Robin, actually, she's dressed as Jill. That's like one of the big... (laughs) jokes towards the end of the movie (laughs) they were going to go to the Halloween hop as Jack and Jill and he shows up all in black with sunglasses on (laughs) everybody thinks he's wearing a vampire costume (laughs) right but she's still Jill (laughs) right and as part of the dance because she, she realized at some point like the countess is winning she's seducing Mark away um she starts like whipping off pieces of the Jill outfit and she's like smoking hot. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, sweet little girlfriend dressed like Jill to now I'm a woman fighting for my man, you know? Right. Um, Right. So it's just, it's so crazy how similar the fucking movies are. But Fright Night is the better movie. No. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for, uh, straight up horror, like horror comedies are fun. Like Shaun of the Dead, obviously, like there's lots of horror comedies out there that are like super fun. Um, but as a horror movie fan, you know, if, if you have the choice of what to watch on like a, a dark and stormy night, you're going to pick Fright Night, you know, every time. Cause it, it just, yeah, it's, it's straight up made to be a horror film. Uh, Chris Sarandon is just super bad. at. Like, Lauren Hutton as the Countess is smoking hot. Every scene she's in, you're, like... You're actually kind of questioning early on, like, why is Mark Kendall not just going for this? Like, why is he not just taking the Countess up on this? Because her <laughs> right. compared to Robin is, like, no question. Um, But in Fright Night, like... Chris Sarandon rides that line of, in one scene you like you like this vampire, and in the next scene you're like, oh, they need to fucking kill this guy, like right. he's bad, yeah. he's a bad dude. Right. Um, yeah. Same thing with same thing even with his manservant Billy Cole, you like there are scenes where he's like funny, and and he's charming too, you know, and you like Billy, right. and then the next scene he's like it looks like he's ready to rip somebody's head off. Right. So yeah. Well, Charlie's head. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely a more effective, uh, effective film, like overall film than once Bitten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it's just, you know, um, yeah. What are, what are your thoughts on, on the both films?
2: Uh, I think that they are far apart, I think, in quality uh, of movie. I think, you know, One spitting is just a goofy... Really, the only reason you watch One spitting is because you're going back and you want to watch Jim Carrey early in his career, right? I mean, that's pretty much why you watch the movie. So, um, Fright Night is legitimately you want to watch it because it's a good movie. It's... um, Got really cool. Again, special effects. Chris Sarandon's great. Roddy McDowell's great. Um, um So th- I think they are pretty far apart. And and compared to other 80s horror movies or a- other 80s vampire movies, you know, you can put Fright Night up there and go, ah, Lost Boys or Fright Night or, you know. Um, But you're never going to say that about Once Bitten. Right. Um, it's just, right. It's just the, the reason that we're talking, even talking about it is just because of the similarity to Fright Night, um, and that it has Jim Carrey. Other than that, Once Bitten is, yeah it's a, it's a, it's kind of a, it's kind of a throwaway movie, right? Yeah. It's, it's like just a-, a goofy, it's just a goofy movie you watch on a Sunday afternoon when you're bored and you have nothing else to watch.
1: Yeah. It's a fun little eighties gem. You know, yeah. but that's all it really, really ever. That's was. all it really is.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and again, it just start a megastar. Um, you know, before he he hit big.
1: Yeah, so. I mean, and that's one of the things where, um, Jim Carrey, when you watch Once Bitten, for anybody who is a Jim Carrey fan, like you should go back. If you haven't seen Once Bitten, you should go back and watch it because everything that makes Jim Carrey so great as a comic actor is in that movie. You can tell he he felt like he had to tone it down for the film, for the, the tenor of the film, but everything is still there. And even one of the comments that I did find in the, in the limited amount of background material there is on it is they said that they they want like from the time they met Jim Carrey auditioning, they wanted Jim Carrey because mm-hmm. they said they were making comedy. They knew they were making a comedy and they said that Jim Carrey could walk across the, just have a, a shot walking across a room and somehow find some way to make that funny. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you didn't have to write the funny for him. It was just there. Mm. And, um, they recognized it back then that like, wow, this, this guy needs to do more, more stuff.
2: It's funny. I, I was watching um, the Deadpool not too long ago. Um, oh yeah. Do you yeah, remember yeah. this movie? Yep. Clint yep. Eastwood. Dirty um, Harry, it's a yep. dirty, the, the last Dirty Harry movie uh, that he made. Uh, Jim Carrey is in that. He, he's the, the, the rock star um, and they're making the, the rock video and uh, he's the drugged out, you know, rock star. And he has a small role in the movie it's, yeah, it's, it's very it's, small yep it's, it's 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 a little bit more than a cameo, but it's it's a pretty small role um but even in that, you're like you can tell you can see how good he's gonna be you know in one bit, and you can see how good he's gonna be it's like watching it's like watching a superstar um in their college days, you know it's yeah. like watching michael jordan at north carolina you know it's like watching joe montana at notre dame you know it's it's watching these guys you could see the greatness there and then uh obviously it came out uh, later
1: yeah because because he's he's there you know he's a guy that's done only a couple of things um and he's got this little part in this movie but yeah he's like holding his own against clint eastwood like yeah <laughs> He's not. Yeah. He's not a slouch actor. He's putting everything oh into it, and he's there yeah. in the scene with Clint Eastwood, and you and- can
2: tell. And and it was a uh, again. It, it was a small role, but you can tell he he was doing his method acting. You know that that he that he does, uh, and that he got really prepared for the role. He looked like he was drugged out. You know, like yeah. lip syncing um, to
1: "Welcome to the Jungle." That was <laughs> that was supposed to be his. His character's yes. song was "Welcome to the Jungle."
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and and he did the It's in the universe. guess. he was great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man. But, um, yeah. And of course, Fright Night got a sequel. Fright Night did get Fright Night Two. It got Fright Night Two, and then it got a remake. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fright Night so. Two, not as well received. It's a lesser film. It is a lesser film. I mean,
2: um, I haven't, I can't remember the last time I watched Fright Night 2.
1: Yeah. The only, the only thing I remember from Fright Night 2 is the vampire on the roller skates.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: they they have a vampire on roller skates. That's, that's how the vampire, that one vampire that's with the, the main vampirous villain, uh, kills people via, uh, sliding in on roller skates. Yeah. Um. Yeah, kind of a forgettable film. Although, I mean, they got the band back together. They got the William Ragsdale and Roddy McDowell uh, back for that. So you know there right. is something to watch there if you want to watch for them. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, obviously it had more more legs than once bitten. Um, and uh, Tom Holland, I think, has actually just come out not too long ago with a he wrote a book like because Tom Holland he like he's so proud of Fright Night. Like he, um, I think he wrote, it's a, it's a book that's like a prequel. And Mm. I think it has something to do with Jerry Dandridge before the events of Fright Night. And Mm -hmm. I believe they even, I may be wrong about this, but I think they even did an audio version of the book and it's Chris Sarandon reading the book. Oh, cool. So if that's accurate, that's fucking quality. Like, yeah. you know you definitely want to jump on that yeah very cool so uh let's talk about like some highlights like so we talked we talked about like the special effects which are obviously a big part of fright night like what's your highlight from once bitten like what's your what's your favorite part of once bitten jim Jim
2: is the highlight he he is uh, he he's the um cleve little is is great but but Jim is the highlight of the movie. You can again it's fun to, to go back and watch him early in his career. Um and, and again you can see he's 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 very talented. Um that's
1: that's that's about it. Yeah. For um, for me, like a specific scene is like the Halloween us- hop. I love the Halloween hop. Yeah. With the dance off. Okay because it's just so goofy and ridiculous mm. and over the, the the and the song the song is called Hands Off. Yep. <laughs> and one of the things I noticed is it actually it looks like a high school Halloween dance because like yeah. the majority of the costumes look like they're homemade. They all look kind of goofy, you know. He he shows up the, the two friends are dressed as the ones dressed as Pinocchio, and the other guy wanted to be Gandhi but couldn't find a fake mustache, so now he's playing it off like he's Yul Brynner with an obvi- <laughs> with an obvious bald cap. It's like the flaps are up on the sides next right. to his ears. Oh my god! <laughs> so I I love that scene. That like that's when I watch the movie, I watch for like that part. I love that part. Right. Yeah. Um, and one thing I noticed about Once Bitten is that. It's more about, um, it, it's actually like a really good uh, telling of like somebody becoming a vampire, like the slow transformation. And if, like mm-hmm. if, you, if, if you, like anybody out there, like if you're going to write a movie about turning into a vampire, for as dumb as it sounds, like you could watch Once Bitten and actually get like a really good idea of what the transition should look like because it's all these little subtle changes all through the movie
2: and if i ever had to turn into a vampire i would want to turn into a vampire the way that jim carrey did in this movie (laughs) as opposed to some of the other ways that people turn into vampires in the other movies right that's more painful (laughs) like you die and then you come back and it's just terrible like painful like agonizing death and resurrection. Uh, And this one, you just go, that was cow's blood. Ew. (laughs) You know, like he's just, he accidentally starts drinking the cow's blood or whatever. And, and, or like now he doesn't see himself in the reflection or he's, you know, he doesn't like the, the bright lights anymore. So he starts wearing
1: sunglasses you know, it's these easy, very easy transitions. Yeah, sleep, you know? Sleeping in the trunk at the foot of his bed.
2: Right, right, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, but it doesn't seem to be the agonizing, you know, painful uh,
1: vampire transformations yeah. that that are in the other movies. Yeah would I would I rather have Chris Sarandon sink his fangs into me in an alleyway? While he's got the long, creepy vampire Oh yes, singers. please. <laughs> I, I realize. I realize there probably are a lot of people that would fucking love that because he is like Jerry Smooth in this. <laughs> he's very but, handsome. But I mean, Lauren, Lauren Hutton biting your buttons off, you know, and and getting a little frisky with you. That's that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty great.
2: <laughs> I'm I'm gonna have to go with Chris Sarandon. <laughs>
1: That's Sorry. all right. To each his own. To each his own. <laughs> yep. Right. right. But you know what? Let's let's actually talk about that a little bit. Um. I mean, obviously... Ooh, we, what? Chris, Chris Sarandon versus Lauren Hutton? Well, in a way. Like, we can talk about that, but I don't want to get too... Obviously, we like to have fun on this uh, show. We like to have laughs. But I don't. But we can talk a little bit about, like, that whole thing about how they handle homosexuality. Because I think there's something to be said there about the way these two movies like both handle that, but let's talk about Lauren Hutton versus Chris Sarandon. Okay. Like, uh, so what, what's your, what's your comparison there?
2: Oh, (laughs) um, well, you talked about it earlier that, um, you know, Chris Sarandon, um, is a lot more evil. He's more, um, Uh, Aggressive towards Charlie. um, Then Lauren Hutton is towards Mark. Lauren Hutton takes that seduction route. Whereas Chris Sarandon is more trying to bully, um,
1: you know, uh, Charlie. So. And it's, I think you picked a good word bully because it's almost like, I mean, obviously like Jerry Dandridge, uh, you have to assume he's been around a long time. (laughs) but he's also like his name's like Jerry Dandridge. He's not like you know Ezekiel Levi from like who knows when, you know. Just... He's he's Jerry. Yep. <laughs> he's Jerry yeah, Dandridge. His, his name isn't Azrael or anything. You know, yeah. And so you have to imagine, you know, I mean I I would love to read Tom Holland's prequel and see like what his idea of the background for the character or what even what background Uh, Chris Sarandon helped come up with um, for that character. Um, But he, he doesn't feel like he's that old. Like you get in, in once bitten uh, the countess is always talking about 400 years, you know, like that she's 400 years old and yeah, they take a lot of uh, like from the Elizabeth Bathory, like she needs like the blood of a virgin. She needs to drink three times before uh, Halloween you know, the stroke mm-hmm. of midnight on Halloween so that she can right. stay young and beautiful. There's a little bit of a ripoff from the ha- the Hammer movie uh, Countess Dracula with Ingrid Pitt. Um, in that movie, she's playing like Elizabeth Bathory, like as character, and she gets some blood from, um, like one of the servant girls gets cut and she gets like splattered with the blood and she notices that the side of her face looks younger, that the blood hit. And but, but, in that movie, if she doesn't keep bathing in the blood of these like young virgin maidens, she will revert to being her older self she doesn't she won't die, she reverts to just being old, the old countess mm-hmm. again, which is totally what Lauren Hutton's character is doing in this, right, um, and at the end, of course, she fails, you know, Mark gets laid in the coffin. <laughs> And so he's not a virgin anymore and she reverts to her old self. Um, but yeah, you get like, she's 400 years. They keep mentioning it, but Jerry Dandridge, you don't get any clue as to how exactly old he is. Yeah. You know, um, I kind of forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> I forgot. Oh,
2: well, you were on such a roll. I didn't want to stop you. Anymore. I know. I
1: forgot the point I was trying to make. um, but, yeah, like, but, yeah, so Chris Sarandon, uh, it's it's this weird thing where, like, yeah, he's trying to bully Charlie. That's where I started. He's trying to bully Charlie. Um, and it's almost in a weird way. You get the feeling, like, he, he is powerful. He is evil. You know, he's just willy-nilly killing these women. Obviously, it's so he can survive with on the blood and stuff. But he's just killing these women, beheading them, leaving their bodies out to be found somewhere. And... Um, But when it comes to, like, all of a sudden, when the neighbor kid figures him out, his answer is not to do, like, a bunch of vamp shit. His answer is, like, I I mean, like, as far as, like, just show up in, like, full bat vampire form and, you know. No, he goes over and he bullies him, almost as if, like, if if you think about, like, to get not too deep in just a skim bully psychology... It's almost like he's afraid that Charlie knows. It's like he's afraid of the fact that somebody has clocked him. And he wants to go scare the shit out of this kid to get him to back off. You know? And not say anything. And not say anything. It's almost like you're about to fuck up my thing here. Mm-hmm. Just back off, like, but it's like he's afraid, so he over he overcompensates and throws the kid around the room and jacks him up against the wall. But then straight up is like, I don't want to kill you. Mm-hmm. Like, why? If you're like this, pa- he could just make him fucking disappear, right? You know. But instead, he bullies him, and it's almost like Jerry is like kind of afraid. Mm-hmm. You know. But then, once it's obvious Charlie's not going to just back off, he's like, "All right, well now it's now it's on, now it's on, and now it's on like
2: Donkey Kong." It's on like Donkey, Donkey right. Kong,
1: you know. But yeah, but yeah, and so there's like this kind of weird thing where you like you don't get um, you don't get a clear image of, of Jerry's background. You know, apparently he knew someone. A long time ago, that was important to him, that looks like Amy. Um, Mm -hmm. But he doesn't necessarily also care if Amy lives or dies because when he throws Charlie into the room with her, you know, he leaves him a wooden stake. And it's because, in his mind, either Amy's going to kill Charlie and drain him or Charlie. Is going to have to kill his girlfriend. Yeah. Either way, Jerry's happy. Yeah. So obviously, it's messed up. Obviously, <laughs> painting chick, not as important to him. No, no.
2: <laughs> it couldn't have been like his long lost love. Might have just been this girl he liked a yeah. lot. You know, maybe they had a couple dates.
1: Yeah, it might have been a sister. <laughs> Me. He never is he never explicitly says that the girl in the painting was like a a love of his like some great it's just it's someone i knew a long time ago. Right, but he seduces Amy, doesn't he? That's all about getting at Charlie. That's all about taking taking her but, away.
2: But 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 <laughs> so he's seducing a, girl a woman looks that like looks just sister. like his sister. <laughs>
1: I'm throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what's. I'm um, well. Uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why I'm asking. I'm asking you.
1: Um, what are but you there... trying to say? <laughs> but there, there is in, in the in the film in Fright Night, there is kind of a weird, it, and, and by no means um, do I necessarily think that uh, Jerry and Billy Cole are an item. Um, I don't think that that's explicit from the film, but I think there is a, su- I don't
2: think there is. Okay, go ahead.
1: I think that there's a subtle inference that maybe at times they may have been a little more to each other here and there.
2: Why? Cause there are two guys that live in the house.
1: Oh no, no, not because of that, but because of the way they framed certain shots and the 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 way
2: and Jerry's grabbing his ass. <laughs> and, and...
0: Jerry,
2: Jerry just grabs. Was, him was by it, the Was it di- was it because of that shot? Was it because of that shot? Jerry just grabs they, him they by the ca- dick and they goes honk, honk. Jerry honk. just had his, he just had his hand on his crotch, <laughs> sitting in his lap, <laughs> and you can see him like whispering after lunch.
1: <laughs> no, no, there's yeah. there's there's two there's two the. Well, actually three thing, three moments that stand out to me. One is there's, uh, there's a, a kind of a bit of a blatant one. And I think more it reflects, like, I think predominantly it reflects on more of like things that were in the kind of cultural consciousness at the time. Um, when Charlie is talking to his mom about the guys who moved in next door. Mm. Charlie's mom immediately is like, oh, do you think they're gay? Like, she just mm-hmm. brings that... Because apparently two guys can't just live together in a house and not be gay. That's
2: what I'm saying. You know? That's what I'm
1: saying. Um, so there's that, but then there's you all... You
2: just said that, though.
1: Well, I know. Well, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that just because they're living in a house together. My reasoning is because Tom Holland has one specific shot where now in... In the reality of the story, Billy Cole is tending to Jerry's hand that got stabbed with the pencil, which they yeah. do set a weird thing up that just any apparently wooden sharp implement can like hurt a vampire. It's just if you, it's only if you get them in the heart that it kills them, but it, you can just hurt them with wood. Yeah. So he's tending to his hand, and then there's a shot of what Charlie sees through the window before Jerry pulls the blinds of him jerking off. <laughs> no. Billy Cole is oh, no. you see his head at mm. crotch level in the window. And and mm. I I did read where the guy that played Billy Cole they actually talked about this after they filmed it. Because one of the guys says, "Oh, there's like a thing there." And I I forget who he said made the comment, but somebody made the comment about there's like a subtle gay overtone to the relationship and they they mention that scene that they had just filmed and the guy who played um Billy Cole, let me find his name again. The guy who played Billy Cole, uh Jonathan Stark, he's like, oh no, well I'm I'm tending to his wounded hand. And they're like, yeah, but look at the shot through the window.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when Jonathan Stark saw it, and he had not thought anything of this before this, but when he saw that shot, he was like, oh, I get it. I Mm. see what you're saying. There's like, it's like the way Tom Holland framed it, it, it's like this kind of, it makes this subtle, fuzzy inference that there's, it's a bit of an artistic thing. But, Mm. and then there's the part when they come to actually confront them and uh G- Billy is on the stairs, and Jerry comes down behind billy and when he scare- when they scare um Peter Vincent off, Billy is thrown uh Charlie off of the staircase, knocking him out and then Peter Vincent um realizes he's in over his head, and he runs out the front door and there's a the way Chris Sarandon hangs. On the shoulders of Billy Cole, it's more. It has more of a couple energy than it does necessarily. You know, just a, a, a vampire and his manservant. You know, now that to me, that's totally like. If if you think of a backstory, there could be some deep friendship or something between the two of them. You know, there's. It's obvious that Billy Cole really actually cares for Jerry Dandridge like it's not just you know like most Renfield serving Dracula's type you know mm-hmm. things um, but it's the way the filmmakers it's like it's sort of like uh, if you when we get to eventually we're going to talk about Nightmare on Elm Street part two and it's sort of like that wow. which, which is which is way more uh, in your face. it's way more uh, in your face yeah yeah yes but there there's a way that that directors and i don't always think it was consciously but there's a way that directors were filming things and there were certain inferences that were put into scripts at that time like during the 80s there were there was this weird thing of like it's not enough for jerry to just kind of be scary it's like maybe he also possibly maybe perhaps has to be gay too in some way or at least buy, and somehow in the 80s that was like a way to make them a little more scary to your average moviegoer and i don't so, know i'm not saying that i agree. so so making him a gay vampire makes him scarier in the 80s yeah in the in the 80s at the at the i mean you know there's like Gay bashing oh, that happens today. Go ahead. Yeah. But in the '80s, and with the fear of of AIDS and everything AIDS, else that was going around, like yes, yep. to make a character also gay, that was like um, there 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 were lots of movies that did it way more blatantly. But that was like a dog whistle of be afraid of this person. That was like a dog whistle to a lot of theater goers. Be it, oh oh, there's like there's now a different. The, you, not only are you do you need to be scared of this guy because he's a vampire, but he just might be gay, too. So be be more afraid of him.
2: To make it worse, Well <laughs> to make it worse than being a vampire? Yeah, I'm I'm not talking about to make it worse than being the walking undead. He's also gay.
1: Well, yeah, I'm not I'm not saying that that's a good thing, but I'm saying you see it in a lot of '80s films. You know that's it's a it's a a critique. No, no I know. I, you, you know, you
2: go back and you watch you watch a lot of eighties films, and you know the the use of the f word, and you know um, don't touch. Like it's being gay carried this connotation of having cooties or something like that. Like right. you were, you know, and don't touch me, you know, with your gayness or whatever, and. um yeah, it, it,
1: it's it's um it, it was pretty pretty harsh back then. Yeah.
2: yeah. And yeah. I and I think so.
1: unfortunately as much as as much as we love these movies, as much as I love these movies, you know, kind of knowing what we know now of that time period and having a lot more um not to get on like a I don't I don't want to get on a a certain um you know, train with this, but you see the inclusion now where you see horror being produced from the gay perspective. And you see horror movies that, you know, are including heroic uh, gay and lesbian characters. And you look back at these movies and it's, it becomes noticeable. Like, the the stuff in Fright Night was so subtle, I didn't think of it till, like, the time I... Like, just watching it to get ready for this episode, I saw mm-hmm. it. <laughs> but in all the years watching it before now, I didn't see it. But since since I've become more aware of, of it and watched a lot of the documentaries about this time period in horror filmmaking, like, it's mm. it becomes more standout. And like I said, in this movie... It's super subtle. I'm not going to sit here and say that Tom Holland was like trying to do something, but it's sometimes something that works into the film. Sometimes I think unintentionally during that time period. Um, it, It like sneaks its way in just because of maybe some of the kind of latent attitudes of the time period. Whereas in Once Bitten, that shit is blatant as fuck like oh my goodness there's the one guy that lament after the scene in the shower room where robin has asked the two friends to check him for thigh bites check him yep <laughs> and they decide that they're going to wait till they get him in the showers after gym class yep <laughs> to check him out which is a which is a a a funny scene but also horribly homophobic <laughs> Horribly, yes. horribly homophobic. I mean, yeah. they literally say, you know, f word in the shower. Sure, you know, and yeah. every and all the other guys go running it's, out. They yeah, it's scattered. Yeah, they they scatter. They, they flee like it's the plague. Right. And um, and then afterwards, you see the guys at back at the little burger joint that the two friends work in. The weird little right. burger stand in the middle of a parking lot. I don't know what that was about. But the one guy's lamenting and he's like, he's like, oh, they're going to, and he he actually uses the term rump rangers. Oh, they're going to think we're rump rangers. <laughs> we know? wonder
2: why it takes people so long to come out.
1: Well, yeah, you know, and it's like, it's like they, th- you know, it's very obvious that they in that, at that time period and in <coughs> the milieu that this movie comes out in. That's one of the worst things you could possibly be thought of. Right. You know? And unfortunately, mm-hmm. it does like. I still enjoy the movie because it's a funny movie, but it is a. I f- definitely feel a black spot on a funny movie. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's probably. It's. It could even be. But part- it's, it's. It. It. it <clears throat>
2: It's just one movie in a sea of movies that did that in the right. 80s. So, right. you know, so I'm not going to single out one spitting for, you know, using the F word. Um, but it, it it was prevalent throughout, throughout 80s movies. You know, it, it was seen that way. And it, it's just sad when you go back and watch it, um, a, a movie that you think so. It's going to be this fun movie, and then it just has that kind of nasty part to it. Yeah, so.
1: it's it's now like a bit of a speed bump that you have to get over. You know, you right. you have to like accept it for the time period that it was made, and say, right. you know, if they made that now, that shit never would have been included. No, no, you know, and then even even in the Sebastian character, you know, they they establish. You know, Cleavon Little plays him as gay. Very obviously, he's he's plays him to be more effeminate, and and that but and that's the other part of it.
2: So the other part of it is that in in the eighties, a lot of the movies, if if you were gay, you had to be this over the top effeminate, right? You know, limp wearing pink, limp wristed, you know doesn't know anything about, you know, sports or anything like that is just, you know, watches plays and stuff like that and, and musicals and
1: all, all just it, tropes. It, it, it's just all stereotypes and tropes, right? Yeah. And yeah, so Cleavon little, he plays the character more effeminately, So it gives you the signal right away that he's supposed to be gay. And then they have a uh, twice, That he gets caught in her closet, you know, and then they make the joke about coming out of the closet. Um, and then there was one that they snuck in that again, 10, 20 years ago would have gone completely over my head. There's a part at the end of the movie where, uh... The one friend, the friends, you know, the 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 friends in in the movie are are cool. They want to help Mark and Robin. They they help come to the rescue. Um, and the one friend, Russ, they have torches because, of course, you're they're having a ritual for this thing, so there have to be tor- lit torches in this beautiful LA mansion, right? You know, it, it has a yeah. sauna and spa, but it's got to have torches <laughs> for the end ritual. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so he grabs one of the torches and he's like holding the vampires at bay with the torches, with the torch. And um, Cleavon Little's character kind of makes a little move. And he, and Russ says, hey, you want to get your crotch lit on fire? And Cleavon Little goes, ooh, rough trade. Well, rough trade. And I, I, I heard it and I'm like, where the, that's it. I'm like, that is some kind of, Homosexual slight or reference. Where have I heard that? And so I looked it up and rough trade is the term that was used for when older, more affluent men would pay to have sex with younger, poorer men, basically prostitutes. But it was like Mm -hmm. this whole idea of these poor working class, you know, very young men going and Mm -hmm. prostituting themselves to these rich, older gay men. And they called Mm -hmm. it rough trade. That was the nickname for it. Oh, you know, he, he does rough trade, you know? And so I was like, holy fuck. Like even in that instance, they have to sneak in a homosexual reference, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, yeah, you want to get your crotch lit on fire? And then he makes a reference to Rough Trade.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's just, you know, that's the kind of stuff that watching now in the perspective that, that we have now, you know, being more aware of these things. Um, I don't want to turn this into like a serious thing towards the end, but...
2: Yeah, all of a sudden, one bitten is getting uh, <laughs> skewered here for its anti-homosexual...
1: It, 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 you know, uh, at least, I mean, I still think these are fun movies. You know, you think they're fun movies. Um, but, you know, you, you got to be aware of the time period. You got to be aware of, you know, what was uh, going on. Well, it's at, like going back and watching Three Amigos now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And all of the Mexican like, uh, stereotypes. Good lord. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, sometimes to enjoy some art, you have to also. Take account of the time period it was made. Um, but I would say, like, if if anybody that is listening to this wants to become more um, kind of aware, like, I became super aware of all this stuff. I had seen documentaries like about Nightmare on Elm Street Part two, and, and there's a great documentary mm. that's out there about that um, called uh, Scream Queen um, that's all yep. about the guy that played the main character. Mark Patton. Mark Patton. And for all the mm-hmm. whole thing from his perspective, and they talked to the director, they talked to the writers you know, and all the connotations that went into the making of that film um, definitely recommend seeing that documentary. but also there was yeah. the shutter series Queer for Fear," which was mm-hmm. amazing mm-hmm. Uh, we Jenny and I watched that uh you know every single episode of Queer for Fear, and that's good for if you lo- if you love fucking horror movies. And you also actually want to become, like, aware of this sometimes subtle, sometimes not so subtle history in filmmaking, you know. But also, all the people in that, they're, like, pointing out, you know, that there's homophobic tropes in in certain movies. and, And certain movies also that unintentionally became, like, flagship movies for queer individuals, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But even they say, like, yeah, a lot of these movies are problematic, but we still fucking love them. You know, we grew up watching them. You just got to realize that they're problematic and understand where people are coming from, you know. So, anyway. <laughs> wow. Wow.
2: I did not think the episode would become this, but...
1: But that's, that's, that's good. That's, I'm I'm glad we talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's okay. It's okay to like this shit. It's Fright Night is an amazing movie. And like I said, the stuff in that is so subtle that I only saw it because I was aware and, and kind of looking for that stuff. And that there, mm. and there had been commentary made on it before. Like in my research on the movie, there were people that commented on that stuff
2: and And you would never pick up on it if if you weren't
1: looking right. for it. I don't think so right. i don't th- I don't think that, that fright night i don't I don't think that any of that was like a super intentional except for like the mom making the comment, which you know it works into her character as being like clueless suburban mom you know right but once bitten like you need if if you're if you're very sensitive to that stuff, you need to go in knowing that you're getting a nineteen eighty five horror comedy where yep. you know there there's there's some some uh, insensitivity <laughs> that, yep. that happens you know to put it to yep. put it mildly um yep. but yeah so anyway um i don't know brad how do you how do you feel about uh about the the fright night once bitten comparison well i think we've said it all kyle yeah. nothing nothing um, to sum up
2: Well, we could sum it up. Sure. Um, They're both movies about a, you know, uh, unpopular, sort of popular um, teenage white boy uh, with goofy friends and a girlfriend that's way too uh, good looking for him uh, who... Encounters a vampire and whose attention gets drawn away from the people he loves towards this vampire and that vampire goes ahead and tries to ruin his life. Uh, One tries to seduce him. The other tries to bully him. um, But they're essentially uh, the exact same movie. One's a horror movie. One's a horror comedy. But essentially they are the exact same thing. Yeah.
1: And. And. Sometimes I sometimes I wonder. They're, they're was great that a people. good summary? Was that was that a good summary? That was a great summary. That was a great summary. Okay, um, you me. know, sometimes I, I wonder. You know, I would recommend seeing both movies. You know, compare them. You know, like check check them out. I mean, there's something something uh, special about each of them. Um, but uh, sometimes I wonder if Once Bitten, you know, might have done better if it hadn't come out. You know, second, you know, the, in the same year, you know, is it possible that if Once Bitten had ju- had come out as more of a summer comedy, you know, like maybe a year later, would it have done a little better? Or a year earlier. Or a year earlier, would it have done a little better with audiences? Mm. I think that's quite possible. I think if it hadn't been, like, right on the heels, you know, it had a bad time period. Like, November's not necessarily great for for movies, especially movies you know in like a horror comedy vein like that you know like you'd want that more in like maybe october maybe you could hit like on in october but leading into like the christmas season i don't think you're doing mm-hmm. yourselves any favors um a right. lot of that's out of, out of their control a lot of that studio you know makes those yep. decisions um but yeah coming after fright night that is so obviously a i mean i i it's obviously a straight up horror movie versus a comedy, but it's also just an exceedingly better made film. Um, Yes. All around. It's a better movie. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I've wondered that, you know, did that, did that like hurt the chances of Jim Carrey, you know, to really get his name out there and get his star out there. Um, You know, that's a question we'll never know. I think maybe it did, um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend checking both movies out and and you know seeing what each of them uh, has to offer. You know, we love One Spitting just because I mean it was all over when we were young. You know, it was all over mm. HBO and right. <laughs> you know,
2: yep. And you and Mega Video and all the. The yep. small mom and pop video stores that that we used to frequent. Yeah, um, West
1: West Coast Video,
2: West Coast Video. Yep, <laughs> yep. But if you have to see one, see Fright Night. Yeah, definitely,
1: um, definitely. Fright Fright Night is up there. You know, if it's not in our top ten, it's got to be in our top twenty at least. You know, top twenty of all of what of horror movies. <laughs> what is that What is that long stare
2: <laughs> is Fright Night in my top 20 of horror movies is you it? just made that assumption what? well I don't know you said it what you just it? said well, well it's in our top 20 <laughs> I don't remember uh, going down the list with you there champ <laughs> uh, let's see <laughs> uh, it's in my top Five vampire movies.
1: Okay, I'll I'll take that. I'll take that. Okay. What what You'll are your take, well, what, okay? Let's round it out with what are your top five vampire movies? Uh, Thirty
2: Days of Night has to be in there. Okay. Um, the original Dracula has to be in there. Um, Fright Night is is in there. Um, uh. Yeah, Lost Boys has to be in there. Ooh, I'm thinking of all the terrible vampire movies. Yeah, cuz you only got one left now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of bad ones. John Carpenter's Vampires is probably rounds out the top 5.
1: That's that's in your top 5? I mean, I'm not I'm not, I'm not going to judge you. But I just I, that that, surp- that pick surprised me.
2: I'm trying to think, I don't know why I can't think of. Um, like, I hate all the obviously, I t- you know, the Twilight movies are terrible. Um, <laughs> all the all the so what, like, all the the iterations of Dracula with Christopher Lee and you know, those guys. Um, oh, oh. Well, I guess Bram Stoker's Dracula um with Gary Oldman.
1: Yeah, cuz I mean even though it's a it's a retelling of the Dracula tale, it's so Francis Ford Coppola took it in such a different its direction. He
2: he he did. I yeah, I I do like the movie quite a bit. Um I think there's a little um there's Keanu Reeves being in the movie just kind of ruins it uh, a little bit for me. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think, am I missing like a major vampire movie that?
1: Nothing nothing that I can think of necessarily off the top of my head. Um, no, I mean, all your picks were, were really good. Vampires just surprised me because vampires, I would not that's not necessarily in my, uh, would be in my top five. I would actually probably, I, I could go with uh, With those picks, but I would probably replace vampires. I, I kind of consider the original Universal Studios' Bela Lugosi Dracula as like a separate animal from Francis Ford Coppola with Bram Stoker's Dracula. Like, mm-hmm. it's like those are, you might as well be watching two different movies. It's like, it's, It's two different movies made about the same subject, but they're two very different films. And so I would put that in my top five. I would replace vampires with that.
2: But that means that Fright Night's somewhere probably around four or five there. And does that make, you know, being four or five in my top five vampire movies make it into the top 20 horror movies, I think, uh, of all time? I don't. I don't think so. I I don't think Fright Night can be in my top twenty. Yeah,
1: I think I think it probably. I is think funny. if
2: you go through just just go through all of the classics, right? Like, all the classic movies, right? So just it, even you lose the like, okay. Right, well, I'll Dracula, tell, I'll, I'll Frankenstein, tell you Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween. <laughs> like you you're there's no way you're gonna get to Fright Night by right.
1: twenty. I'll tell you what, we'll make a long-term goal. Top we're, 50. We're going to have we're going to have an episode where we both give our lists of top 20 and actually like uh, rank Ooh, them.
2: Top 20. And and yeah. try
1: to rank them. It's it's a long-term goal. It's not going to be right away. We'll just it's an eventual try to rank them. It, it's a it's a homework assignment. <laughs> Cuz <'Cause laughs>
2: I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to miss stuff, you know. I I'm, I'm gonna. You're gonna. There's gonna be something on your list that you're gonna be like, gonna "Oh go, no, oh, I forgot."
1: <laughs> but we should do that. that I, should forgot, be a, I forgot. about that. That one. Should be a, an episode that you know, down the road, we'll compare our top twenty all time, and that'll just be the whole episode.
2: Yeah, that'd be a that'd be a fun one. Um, but yeah, no, Fright Night doesn't crack my top twenty. Okay, I can tell okay. you right now.
1: Uh, and and yeah. I, we won't get into. Horror comedies necessarily, but there is definitely a horror comedy. No, for...
2: once bitten does not break my <laughs> no, top anything no, no, no. for horror comedies. Okay. But there,
1: there is there is a vampire horror comedy that I think is better than than once bitten, and that is Dracula Dead and Loving It. Mel <laughs> Brooks Leslie and Leslie Nielsen. Uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It. Uh, that I shit is Leslie it's Nielsen. corny, but it's funny mm-hmm. as hell. Sure. Um, I'll have to rewatch it but I don't necessarily know that there's a lot that's problematic about it but also there's a thing with Mel Brooks where Mel Brooks has a history of taking problematic subjects and making them funny but making them not necessarily funny for the reason that they're problematic so right. you know he, he kind of can flip it a little bit but I love it yeah mm-hmm. Dracula dead and loving it you know I'll take that over once bitten any day of the week
2: I wonder if Dracula, dead and loving it, should be in my top five vampire.
1: Movies. <laughs> Just the scene where they stake, they go to stake the the uh, the, <gasps> the Lucy <gasps> char- character. And, and Mel Brooks goes, okay, you're going to take the stake and you're going to drive it into her heart. And he, and he's about the, the guy that plays Jonathan's about to do it. And he's like, wait a second. And he goes and gets behind the column behind the pillar. And he goes, okay, go ahead. <laughs> and he stakes it in all the blood <laughs> just gushing and shooting out. And, and it's yeah. covering the walls. It's covering the pillar. It's covering <laughs> the actor playing Jonathan. And yeah. and it's it's in his face, it's in his mouth, he's drenched in it. And Mel Brooks comes out from behind the pillar when it's done, and he's the only clean thing in the whole shot. <laughs> I love that shit.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nineteen ninety
1: two with uh, Christy, Christy Swanson and Donald Sutherland. and and. and- Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. Paul Rubens. And Rutger Paul Hauer. Rubens. Rutger Hauer is the vampire. And Rutger Hauer. Yeah. yeah. Pour oh. one out for Rutger Hauer.
2: <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. But I was just thinking of uh, Paul Rubens when he gets stabbed with the... Uh, oh, that's the best. The steak. He it takes, him it takes him to forever to die.
1: Takes him forever to die. One of the best yeah. vampire death scenes ever. <laughs> right. Right. Right.
2: And I've watched that that. Over and over and over again. So I'm wondering how much I've watched the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie over the movies in my top five. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I well, don't All right, know. man. Well, I think this turned into a great episode uh, covering this. Um, you know, it's just, it's fun to talk about. It took this. a couple of different turns. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, th- and, you know, that's, and that's okay. You know, we like to have fun with this stuff. We love horror movies, but. You know, uh, it's a it, horror movies are about deep shit. There's people that think that horror movies are just, you know, just uh, crap. They're just, you know, oh, it's just blood and guts and gore and just a know. bunch of
2: people getting killed by some
1: crazed serial right. killer. And hey, yeah. a lot of them are like that. <laughs> but horror are. can get into like deeper, deeper shit. And sometimes it gets into deep shit, you know psychologically subconsciously and you don't necessarily realize it until mm. um you know viewing a movie a few times and um watch an interview with a uh, Wes craven or john carpenter and how
2: they get into the deep psychological oh, yeah. you know oh yeah areas of,
1: of fear you there's, know and uh yeah yeah there's way more to horror than than what most people uh would right. would believe um and that's why we love it that's why we love it. That's why we consume it in mass quantities. Part part of the reason. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's the blood and the guts and the gore. It's, it's, yeah, kind of, it's fun. And, and yeah. as Joe Bob always says, the three B's. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, all right. Well, uh, that's that's all the time we have for this episode. Um, we want to thank uh, people for listening. Um, we have a few listeners out there. We got a few people that listen, um, you know, and uh, awesome. we, we appreciate it. If you guys want to hear an episode, we're obviously like our next episode, our next three episodes are going to be about Halloween four, Halloween five, and Halloween six, the curse of Michael Myers. Um, but if, if, in the future, you want to specifically hear an episode about any movie, um, please write to us at nosforadudes at gmail.com and give us your thoughts. If you have thoughts about these two movies, send them in. We'll talk about them. We'll read your, we'll read your email uh, on the podcast and, um, and we'll discuss. Um, but if there's anything specifically that you want to hear us talk about, please reach out to us at that gmail, nosforadudes at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you. One of the 10 to 14 people. <laughs> but hey, we value Oh, well, you. last episode it was nine. So Yeah, that's, you, hey. you guys are nothing to sneeze at. We thank you for listening. Um, we do this for fun. We do this because we wanted to do something together. And that's, that's what exactly. it's about. Um, we're not getting yep. paid for this <laughs> yet. <laughs> but... Um, we want to hear from you guys We want to know what, what stuff you love What crazy, kooky, goofy, gory stuff you love And so anyway From uh, me, from Kyle And Brad <laughs> We are the Nosferatu dudes And just remember I'm not going to
2: say it with you I know you want me to say it with <laughs> no, you No, it's okay it
1: We are the Nosferatu dudes And just remember The broadcast is coming from inside the house Thanks for listening